Wednesday and welcome to the Wednesday version of the Daily Walk. I'm your host Wayne Clevenger and today we are in Mark 4, 5, 6, and 7 and it is October 11th if you're keeping track and this is a super good day. I'm going to do a shout out to two of my boys born on the same day seven years apart. And it's their birthday, so happy birthday to Benjamin and Christopher. And we celebrate that today. It's an awesome day. But you know what? It's an awesome day in the Word, too, because the Word speaks today. Remember, we're talking about things Mark is emphasizing and what Jesus did. But even he's shifting a little today to his teachings, but even in his teachings, we can see what he does somewhat. Because, you know, in today's chapter four, Jesus starts right off in the parable of the farmer scattering seeds. And, you know, we had that in Matthew. Yeah, we're going to have it again in Luke. And when we get to Luke, I'll spill what we call these three gospels. But what I'd like us to do is emphasize, you know, I told you when we had it, Matthew, it has a lot to do with us as sowers. And that's true because we got we to gotta disciple the seed that's scattered, right? But today, I, let's focus on the ground, you know, because Jesus talks about the ground. There's the footpath, the rocky ground, and then the ground with thorns, and then the fertile soil, good soil, all right? And so let's talk about the ground a little bit in this. Um, if we look at that, we are just as representative of what kind of ground we are representing to new people as people are, is being that kind of ground. What am I saying? Well, sometimes we get like a footpath to people that we're supposed to be a witness to because we get hard. And it's like, this is my territory. You can't come in it. And he says, when Jesus explains it, the seed that fell on the first path, footpath represents those that hear the message only have Satan come and take it away at once. And that's like your ground is so hard that they can't penetrate you. You're guarded and you don't want to share your you something's happened in your past, so you don't want to be vulnerable. 
you're guarded and you have trust issues. And so how is someone that's coming to Jesus supposed to see Jesus if the outer shell of your ground is so hard that it's impenetrable? I mean, think about a footpath that's dirt. It, if we were to throw seed on it and the wind blows, it's going to just blow away. Or birds come, they can eat it. Or people that walk through in the dampness, it's going to stick to their shoes and just go away. And when we become hard like that, people that we're trying to witness to pick that up. That I mean, we are transparent to them. They pick that up right away. And so I just see that is what he's trying to tell us. And rocky soil, he says, you know, they hear the message and immediately receive it with joy. So they see it, they hear it, but they also see that when you get in a situation, you or me get in a situation that's got consequences they look and see how you react in that situation and it's less than Christ-like and so they're like I don't know man that's a rocky relationship <laughs> yes pun intended and they're like if that's what being a Christian is well I'm already there so I don't really need this relationship and then what about the thorns? You know, sometimes we are much like thorns because we put so many do's and doubts on people. We come and choke whatever relationship they have with Jesus out of them because we put so much expectation on them that they're like, what is this? And Jesus is going to cover that here in a minute because we are more concerned about what they're, what they're supposed to do instead of getting them closer to God. Because if we're fertile soil, if we're good soil, we are more concerned with the how they get closer to Jesus and how we can cultivate them, how we can, multiply, how we can cultiv multiply them into being more like Jesus. And that's us being more like Jesus. That's going through spiritual disciplines, reading the word, praying with them and being compassionate with them and understanding that Jesus forgave us, so we got to be forgiven of them. And, Lord, man, we got to understand that no one's perfect, and we're not perfect. Remember what I say. Unless we're playing a perfect game, we don't have a right to call someone else out. And, you know, when we get to John, we're going to get to see that really good. So I think today one of the big things Jesus is doing is trying in his teaching to point out that, man, look at this. Yeah, I just it was just told by Matthew one way, but if we look at this version in Mark and he says, look, it's not just about you being the sower. It's not just about the one receiving it, but it's like how are you as a ground sower And how are you as a ground, as a sower? Because we want to always put it on the receiver, 
but there's a lot of stuff involved as us as the giver and i just think that's kind of huge so then jesus gets into the parable about the lamp no one takes a light and hides it under a bushel you know we're supposed to steward the blessings that jesus gives us and he's there's an interesting thing that i highlighted those who listen to my teaching more understanding will be given so what's interesting to me in that is if we listen intently okay to more listening more understanding comes doesn't that make sense if i'm not listening to something then i'm when it comes time to use it i'm not going to have a clue what's going on I have to listen to get the understanding to be able to use what I'm trying to learn. But then Jesus says, but those who aren't listening, what little understanding they have will be taken from them. And that makes sense because if you don't listen, then when time comes and you got to put it into practice because we weren't listening, we're going to be like, oh, wait, what was I supposed to do? And man, as a coach, I can tell you, when we're trying to teach things, that happens all the time. Wait a minute, what was I supposed to do? So this this really resonates with me. For those that listen, more understanding will come. Like I might have to print this one out in big bold print and put it somewhere so that I can hand it out because that's huge. And I think it's, you know, written in such a good way that even if it's in the public sector, you can get by with it because it just makes good sense. So Jesus talks about the farmer that plants the seed and how it grows at night and how the seed pushes through the earth and then more uh, fruit comes from it or harvest comes from it and when it's ready the farmer come and harvest it that's like us seed gets planted we grow up and then one day he's coming for us i think that's a really cool story so what's jesus doing in this jesus is what he's doing is planting the seed in us that hey i'm coming back i'm coming back to get you so don't think that the whole time you're here it's all for naught keep learning keep growing and know that you're gonna be with me one day talks about the mustard seed and how you know it starts out as the smallest of things and then it grows to be the biggest of things and that's if we steward what he gives us we can grow the kingdom really big and I think that's huge for us. And then he closes it with telling his disciples, let's cross the other side of the lake. Let's. That's all of them. Let's cross the other side of the lake. You know, and, and he knows they're going to the other side. So he gets in with them and he goes down, takes a little nap. And this is when the storm comes, right? And the storm's coming it comes, it gets rough, it's splashing water over the sea, over the side of the boat, 
and Jesus is sleeping. And then the disciples are freaking out. So they go down and get him, and they're like, Master, don't you care <laughs> that we're going to drown? And, you know, I talked about this Sunday with our church. I think there's times in our life when life gets so stormy and we forget that Jesus is with us through all things and we just throw our hands up in there and say, hey, don't you care? But he's never left us. He's just waiting for us to call on him. You know, we'll get to a scripture in Philippians one day that says, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. And Christ is in the boat with him. He didn't say, take me out to the middle and let's drown. He didn't say, take me out to the middle, let's have a crash, and then we'll swim the rest of the way. He's in the ship. And we just got to remember that he's in the ship with us and get through it all. And one of the things I pointed out Sunday is, you know, a lot of times it gets really bad before it gets really good because Jesus, when they wake him up, he just sits up and says, silence, be still. And he's not so much talking to them as he is the storm. See, what he's waiting for is for us to go to him. And when we go to him, he just says, silence, be still. And then everything gets calm. And then he looks at us and says, why are you afraid? You have no faith? Question mark. And then we're kind of amazed. Oh, wow, look at what he did for us. Man, that was so cool. You know, and we're like, I don't know, sometimes I get like I feel ashamed because, one, I shouldn't be wild because he's that great of a God. But, two, why didn't I go to him first, you know? And one time one time I had this call I had to make, and I had a due date, call date, you know, call before, that kind of thing. And it was a call I was dreading because, man, I, I just, I'm, I, this is going to be awful these people are not nice. This is going to be awful. It's going to be awful. It's going to be awful. And I sweated over it for like two weeks, and I put it off till the absolute last moment. And the whole time I'm stressing over it, the whole two weeks, you know, and I'm like, Lord, help this be good, you know, and, I, and I'm praying that every day, Lord, help us be good. And it's like, when I finally made the call after stressing over it all those weeks, they were the nicest people. Everything worked out totally good. If I'd have made the call when I first got the notice, it would have been fine, and I wouldn't have had to stress over it for two weeks. And I was ashamed because I was, like, calling out to Jesus but not really trusting him. And it's like I got that message from him. Why are you afraid? Do you not have any faith? And I learned, you know, that if I'm not going to trust him, if I'm going to trust him, I need to trust him fully. And when I say I do, I need to act on that. So that's where we need to be. 
we need to trust him. And when he says he's going to be with us, he means he's going to be with us. Remember how Matthew closed out. I am with you until the end of the age. And when we're in relationship with him, that's something we can have with him. So when he gets done calming the sea, they end up at a place in chapter 5 where there's a demon-possessed guy that nobody wants. Now, demon-possessed, remember, demon-possession can be a lot of things. It could be a person afflicted with seizures, mental illness, uh, all kinds of things. So this guy has all kinds of problems, and the people put him out. They put him out into a place they call the Gadarenes, a cemetery there, and Jesus goes to him. It's no accident he goes to him. And when he gets there, the man runs to him and bows down to him and says, why do you come to torture me? You know, because these are the demons in him just knowing that Jesus came there. And Jesus says, come out of the man. And then he wants to know what's your name. And that's where they say, my name is Legion for there's many of us. So think of all these afflictions, you know, as a, as a medic for all those years, I can think of people that I went on calls with that had all kinds of serious illness, including some mental health issues that people would put them in places to protect themselves. Now, this place that he's at, you know, they didn't have places like we have today, was outside the city in a cemetery. but And they tried to shackle him, but he'd break him. And now they're these demons, per se. They didn't have the medicine we have today. The only hope he has is in Jesus. Oh, my hope is in Jesus. And so he's there, and the demons are begging for a deal. Don't send us away. Don't send us away. <laughs> and they want to go in the pigs, right? And so he says, go ahead. And they go in the pigs. Well, you know, there's the lake there. So they go s storming into the lake, the pigs do, because now the pigs are all freaked out by what's in them. And they go in the lake, 2,000 pigs scurry down the hillside and drown in the lake. What's funny about this thing is the people see the man sitting totally sane, totally clothed, totally in his right mind, and they're all talking about it. But, you know, they're more upset about losing their herd of pigs. They're not elated for the man being made whole. They're more upset about the pigs, so they tell Jesus they need him to leave. So as Jesus Jesus obliges, he's like, okay, I'll leave. You guys aren't getting it, but okay. But the man that's been healed, he's like, hey, I want to go with you. And Jesus says, no, go back and tell your family of all the great things the Lord has done for you. So this man starts going and being a witness. Can you imagine what kind of witness that is? You know, and I I told a story Sunday about 
my life before Jesus and a lady that worked for me when I was in business. And she knew me before Christ, and when she found out I was a pastor, it changed her life tremendously just to see the difference in me, so much so that she came to my church, and then she gave her life to Jesus and started serving Jesus. And then she would later get married, and then he would give his life to Jesus. And it's like, that happens, and that's what this man's supposed to do. So... We go from there, Jesus goes back across, and that's when we see the synagogue leader, Jairus, come to Jesus and say, hey, my daughter's dying. Can you come heal her? And, of course, Jesus is like, yeah, I'll come heal her. But then the lady with the bleeding disorder that she's had for over 12 years hears that Jesus is walking through town because he's going to go to Jairus' house, right? And she's like, man, if I could just touch the fringe of his robe, I think I'd be healed because she's just wasted all of her money trying to get healed through doctors and stuff. And no results. You know, sometimes the system is only able to do so much. Sometimes we have to just put all our trust in the Lord and say, Lord, you're our only solution. The system doesn't work. Free us from the system. That's where she's at. And I know people that have done that. They've, they're like, man, the system can't heal me. The system can't do it. You're the great physician, Lord. Heal me. And they've been touched by the Lord, and the Lord has healed them completely. I've seen it with my own eyes, and it's so awesome to be a witness of. And so she works through the crowd and the crowd knows who she is the crowd knows what she's got the crowd knows she's had a bleeding disorder and in those days anything that has a bleeding disorder was considered unclean and she works her way through the crowd and you can imagine you know what that stirred and then she touches the one who is without sin who is totally clean and she touches his robe well, as soon as she touches it, Jesus feels healing power go from him, and he stops. And he turns around and says, who touches me? I believe Jesus knows who touches him. I believe he wanted her to confess that she touched him and claim it. See, so many times the Lord heals us, but we got to claim it. We're so easy to claim the illness and Jesus wants us to claim healing power so we can defeat the enemy and claim the healing. And when she finally said, I'm the one, he said, your faith has healed you. Your faith has made you well. Your suffering is over. But figure this out. Jairus's daughter is dying. And he's probably like, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. Let's go. I need to go. And Jesus has stopped to have a word, you know, with this lady. And it's not, but a minute after that, Jairus gets a word, hey, your daughter's dead. You don't need to trouble the teacher now. And can you imagine? If that was me, I'd be like, oh, man, did you have to? 
Did you have to stop and talk? I mean, you knew she was healed. Why did you have to have this conversation? Because that's the that's the carnal nature in us. That's the selfishness in us. We our issue is always bigger than the other issue, you know. And Jesus's word to him is, "Don't be afraid." Just have faith. Come on, don't be afraid. Did I not tell you I would go with you <laughs> and heal her? And so he goes with, you know, and he says when he gets there, the people are laughing, and he's like, oh, we're not having this. And so he goes in and he heals his daughter. He tells her to get up, and she's like resurrected right there. Can you imagine? That would be so awesome to be a part of. And I just think that would be one way. That is fertile soil, man. Those people that were standing around laughing, that that's thorns. They're trying to choke it out, but because the great cultivator was there, he went through with his cultivating tool and just cultivated those thorns right out. And it was all good, and she was raised from the dead. So then Jesus goes on and he goes back to his hometown. You know, people didn't want to listen to him because they questioned him like, who are you to do all these great things? Isn't your dad just a carpenter, you know? And they refused to believe. And because they refused to believe, it says Jesus was unable to do miracles in his hometown. But here's the thing. People are like, oh, Jesus can't do miracles? No, Jesus can do whatever Jesus wants to do. But if we're not willing to accept it, it takes two. God doesn't force anything on us. And if we're not willing to accept it, then it's not going to happen. If we go to the throne of grace and we're praying, Lord, help me with this or heal me with that, and we go there not believing with our heart, mind, soul, and strength that it can actually happen, then it's probably not going to happen because we haven't really put our trust in the Lord because we're really approaching it with rocky soil. And we're letting the enemy make the thorns choke out our belief, which we'll get to in John, how that all works out. And so we approach it already defeated. And because we don't believe it can really happen, we are just like these people that when he goes back to his hometown and because we don't already believe then he's unable to fulfill what we're looking for because we don't believe. Remember, it said that in Matthew. It said that in Matthew. If you pray for anything and believe, it will be given to you. That's the key word, and believe. I think it was Matthew 19. All right, so then Jesus takes his 12 disciples and he gives them all power and authority to cast out demons and heal disease and he sends them out two by two in pairs. Sends them out 
to be witnesses. And he tells them, hey, don't take nothing with you. Just go and be witnesses for me. And if they accept you, great. And if they don't, shake the dust from your feet and move on. So the disciples go out and they be the witnesses for Jesus because this is their first chance of being, you know, evangelistic, I suppose, if we want to use that word. But they want to, he wants them to be witnesses. He wants them to tell about him. And that's what he wants for us because he gives us that same authority, which we'll get, you know, we got it in Matthew 10, we get it in Luke 9, which we'll get to. He wants us to do that. And it says, and they cast out many demons, healed many sick people, and anointed them with olive oil. So that's good stuff. That's for you and me too. And he wants us to do that. Then the death of John the Baptist, you know, that whole synopsis is given again. And the feeding of the 5,000. Oh, man, that's so good. Jesus feeds the 5,000, you know, with five loaves and two fishes. This is what happens. You know, they... They all meet. Jesus wants to go on to an isolated place place and pray with his disciples, but the people follow him. So he doesn't send them away. So what does he do? This is what Jesus does. He just teaches them. He spends time with them. He's relational. What's that tell you? He's a relational God. And then when the disciples want to send them away because, you know, how are we going to feed them? Jesus says, what do you have? Here's what I want to tell you. If you're thinking, what do I have to offer? I don't know what I'm going to do as a Christian to help the kingdom. Jesus is asking you right here in this passage, what do you have? And he's saying, bring me what you do have, and I will take what you have and work with you and multiply that so you can have plenty and then some left over. And, man, we heard stories Sunday of how God takes what we do have, multiplies it, and then gives us a little left over when we're faithful to him, when we are truly good soil. So then Jesus walks on the water, and Mark's rendition of this doesn't say anything about Peter saying, oh, let me come to you. Instead, it's like he was going to go past them. That's how Mark sees it. But he heard them crying out because they thought he was a ghost. And he says, hey, don't be afraid. Take courage. I am here. And then he climbs in the boat because, you know, it was stormy and the wind stopped. And that was pretty cool. So then he closes, you know, he gets into the discussion about, you know, why do your disciples fail to follow the Jewish custom of hand washing? <laughs> and Jesus just says, you know, you guys, you're so hypocritical. And he tells him, you got too many rules and regs, really. He says, this is what you guys fulfill what Isaiah the prophet said. You honor me with your lips, but your hearts are far from me. Isaiah twenty nine thirteen. The worship is a farce. They teach man-made ideas as commands from God. So they're taking 
their own rules and telling people, hey, this is what God said. And there are so many places that do that. Well, this is a word from God. And it's like, you know what? Challenge it. If you don't think so, find it in the Bible and look at it, look in a commentary, just dissect it and then pray over it. Pray over it and see where the Lord leads you and see how that works out. Because God said, you know what? You can eat with dirty hands because it's not what you put in your mouth that defiles you. That just goes in and comes out. What defiles you is the stuff that comes out of your heart, like greed, adultery, evil thoughts, slander, pride, foolishness, sexual immorality, murder, theft, envy, dissension, all those things defile you. And then we get the Gentile woman, the Phoenician woman that says, hey, can you heal my daughter? And he says, uh, I got to take care of the Jewish people first. And she says, oh, but, you know, even dogs get the scraps. And he says, man, what a great answer. Okay, she's healed. And she was healed just like that with a word. So Jesus does a lot of great things. And it's big thing, you know, what I what I really think this whole thing is doing is it's showing us what kind of soil we really got to be, even as believers, so that new believers can get grounded in that kind of soil. Because we don't want to be rocky and rep, so they don't see that we're rocky. We don't want to be thorny and choke out what new faith they have. We want to be fertile so they can be fertile, so they can be reproducing more fruit. Because he says a good, a good tree cannot produce anything but good fruit. A good tree cannot produce bad fruit. Only a bad tree produces bad fruit. And a footpath won't produce fruit. Rocky soil won't produce good fruit. They've shown it all over. So today, let's promise on hump day to be good soil so that others can have that meaningful relationship with Jesus because of the way we example it. Just like he told his disciples to go out and represent. You have that power. So let's be that power and be good soil today. Have a great day. We'll see you tomorrow. God speak. Would you pour down like rain? Washing my eyes to see your